Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening. You know what? I might even get a couple of guests on because, boy, oh boy, there I have been in the green room kind of area waiting out. Um, for these boys to arrive who have said, oh, yes, I'll be there, Paul. Don't worry, I'll be there on time. Yes, well, there's on time and then there's, um, I don't know. Um, Stephen, are you running on island time? Yeah, I, I am a wee bit, mate. Very, very <laughs> unprofessional. Very unprofessional. I actually just went and made myself a cup of tea before and just lost track of time. So I do apologise. Saw your, saw your note and thought, holy heck, hold two minutes to quickly... Uh, Basically, uh, get on the thread here. So, hey, I'm here. I'm sure Boa is you not are. too far away. And Boa, I mean, what, what would you say to your players who turn up late to training at, um, at Manukau Rovers? No, no, no. My time's always good. If you want to have a good time, you've got to have a good watch. I've got the good watch on tonight. So, <laughs> I believe I just made it in time. Although, I have to say, if, 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 if I was coaching and uh, I'd expect to be there 15 minutes before session starts. So, that's what I usually preach to my players. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Stephen. Welcome, Boa. I hope you're both um, fit and well and safe uh, and uh, up there in the 09 and uh, keeping yourself safe. Yeah, listen, always a privilege to be on the, the TDM, but I must I must admit, after being in lockdown for what, going into our seventh week now, my whole sense of time has completely gone out the window, um, which is a little bit of a concern when I really do have to physically go back to work. Yeah, I, I have to say the days seem that much longer. And uh, as far as rugby is concerned, um, NZR are actually, you know, getting coach uh, educators and uh, coach developers to do a lot of stuff online. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of assessments, a lot of video analysis, lots of teaching, lots of forums online. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's just the new normal. And uh, the moment I actually have to go out of the house, it, it actually feels really weird. So what can I say? Well, uh, that's that's great. Cause, I mean, look, I'll be honest, from the outside, looking at um, New Zealand rugby, there's really been, I want, Steve and I talked about this, this a bit on the, uh, the, the, the 5 p.m. Uh, lockdown beers and rugby chat, was kind of the, the, lack, of, um, the lack of communication uh, with fans. 
uh, we've obviously got the the All Blacks going uh, playing over over in um, Australia, and they're producing all their content around that, which has been good. And they've been producing some content around uh, the uh, the MPC, but um, we've got no idea what games are happening. Well, we know what's happening this weekend. We've got four games this weekend, but after that, we have uh, we have no idea. Um, uh, but it's good to see that behind the scenes, uh, a, a lot along on the coaching side, I'm assuming also on the refereeing side. That there is, it does look like there's, so. There are comms that are they are keeping you busy and giving you, helping you develop still. Yeah, because I mean, look, the the, the basic philosophy with uh, growing any organization is if you want to grow your organization, you got to grow your people. So it's really mm-hmm. important that you get your coaches, your coach developers, educators, referee educators, and developers uh, growing the human resource we have, and of course we have a. Uh, you know, we have an ongoing shortage of coaches and same with referees. So you have to really look after the people, particularly those volunteers at the community level who come on board. So one of my key focuses, I'm actually not going to wait for anyone for the union to tell me, look, go and do something. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff with some of the directors of Auckland clubs uh, who are doing their postseason uh, reviews. They're looking at new recruitment. So coaches, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of cross talk. So you know, as far as behind the scenes stuff, it's fantastic. Really enjoying it, and I, I guess this is this is something based on what you've said. Perhaps the, you know what's happening behind the scenes needs to be actually told to the rugby public at large, so you can get that engagement, and possibly we can get more coaches and referees from this rugby loving public. No, absolutely. I think there's a there's we, there's a lot that goes on, um, and there's a lot of roles at New Zealand Rugby and at the various provinces. And we don't really know what they do. Um, now, that's I don't necessarily need to know exactly what um, Joe Bloggs does at Counties Manukau or um, or what um, Freddie Jones does at Auckland Rugby or what um, down in Canterbury, what, uh, what Marion does down there. But just some kind of, yeah, some some kind of, uh, as you say, just a little bit of, of actually singing their own praise around what they do away from high-performance sport would be a good thing because um, it's, uh, we kind of hear, oh, yes, the clubs are the lifeblood of, our, of, of, of New Zealand rugby and blah, blah, blah. But we never actually hear what they do with them. Um, so I think, uh, and that's why we, we, we've, we've had a couple of um, drawing more specials where I had a chat with um, Campbell and Aaron. Oh, I've forgotten the guy's surname. Lawson. Lawson, thank you. Um, from um, Northland and from Counties Manukau, talking to them about how about what they would do and how they would grow um the uh, the grassroots game if they uh, had the, the funding from something like silver lake so uh, those videos are available on our facebook page youtube channel if you want to go and have a have a listen to those if you if you can't find them drop me a line and i'll, I'll send you a link but um yeah and also on our podcast as well folks so don't forget you can also get in touch uh, via the podcast um where all good pods are got they are stealing that from someone else's podcast as to how they say it. Um, but so, yeah, so that's all how, how you can find us. What are we going to talk about today? Uh, we'll have a chat about some, uh, some, uh, the Roman Championship, have a look back. Uh, we'll focus mainly on um, the All Blacks, but we'll also um, being, being New Zealand Sport Radio. But we will look at the other teams as well, have a quick chat about who are the winners and losers from all of that. Um, look forward a bit towards the uh, the November tours. Unfortunately, we got news today that Samoa will be pulling have have uh, pulled out of their tour of Europe, um, which is um, uh, which is a real uh, which is obviously a real shame for them. Uh, gone blankets who they were playing. I think it was Romania, Georgia, 
uh, Spain um, plus the barbarians from memory. Um, but um, uh, no, it can't. Uh, no, it was George. Uh, Uruguay was in there as well. So clearly, um, I've got one of those wrong because they're playing three games plus uh, plus the barbarians. Um, so yeah, a, sh a real shame that uh, that they've had to pull out. Uh, but so uh, that's down to their country's uh, border controls, which you um, which which we fully understand, uh, and obviously out out of the union's control. Um, so we'll have, a, we'll have a look forward. Also, there's question marks around the box. We'll have a talk about that as well, uh, as well as talking about the um, the MPC as we've had uh, um, Stuart, uh, not Stuart Lancaster, Steve Lancaster, um, <laughs> has uh, had a chat today about what might be going on um, around uh, around the MPC um, as well. But um, before I get into that, Steve made a, Steve made a tea. Don't know what bro has got, but I need to open up my space. So I'm going to pour my beer. Um, well, well, while you're pouring that um, that beer, I'm, I'm once again my body is a temple, so back back yeah. back on the water again. But I have had a cup of tea. I've got to say, with a couple of biscuits, so I'm trying to justify that at the minute is pretty much what I'm doing. But I just want to touch on something Nocturnal Rights has just said there. Um, New Zealand has such a a rich history of, of rugby, but they never used to promote it. And man, I've got to totally agree with that. Um, you know. We're probably only a few weeks away from Super Rugby sides being named. You know, what about each franchise maybe running a competition for their supporters about who they think is going to make the side, you know, and whoever comes up with the, the names closest to the side wins a, wins a couple of uh, season tickets or something along those lines. You know, been very little talk talk about Moana Pacifica, um, apart from the own little digging that we've actually done done ourselves Paul but you know to me it's it's really disappointing you 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 come from England where the the number one game is football but I know very well during the off season there's still plenty plenty happening you know you're hearing in the in the press about signings or potential new signings etc etc so there's always that interest and that engagement there for fans yeah look, and I think um and LB says, yeah, in, in, in South Africa, we always use our history and promotions. And I think to a certain degree, uh, New Zealand, I mean, they, they kind of do a, a bit in New Zealand. I mean, we've had uh, the sort of, um, we, we've seen on social media them go through and do best sort of blue sides of all time and um, uh, and, uh, and and that kind of thing. Um, during lockdown, we had some fun and games between the provinces when they were doing, um, uh, they did employee 15s. Um, to uh, to take on each other, which was which, which was kind of amusing, um, but I think the the way that New Zealand rugby, from my experience, see things um, is that they have uh, they they have the the, the the year very much compartmentalized. So Super Rugby talks about about rugby during the Super Rugby season, and the franchises generally keep relatively quiet outside of that. We've seen that change a bit this year, where um, with every All Blacks release, the each of the franchises has been given a graphic which highlights their players that have been uh, that have been uh, that we playing that weekend. So there's a little bit of that there. For there, the from the provinces, you don't hear that much. We won't hear anything about MPC or high performance outside of that window. They're talking about community rugby and club rugby. Um, I tried to do an interview with Clayton McMillan and. Um, Oh, I've gone blank. The um, oh, Waikato top twice scorer. Mm. Um, uh, anyway, two. Oh, basically, Clay McMillan as the uh, Maori All Blacks head coach, and um, 
Roger Randall as his assistant coach at uh, the Mario Blacks. I was so I tried to interview with them about about Mario Blacks and got told, sorry, uh, um, we don't want to distract them from their current job. They're, they're not allowed to talk about that outside of the Mario Black window, which is like two weeks long. Um, <laughs> and you kind of like, seriously, guys, uh, why can't we talk about these things outside of that? Because I mean, Roger Randall, Clay McMillan, two guys I have talked to a lot of times because um, as they've been coaches and assistant coaches at Bay of Plenty, Waikato uh, and the Chiefs, they, they know who I am. Um, I've uh, had the dubious privilege of seeing Roger Randall getting changed um, into his uh, in, 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 into his blazer after a game as well. I thought you I thought you were going to say you're waiting for him to get out of the shower or something like that. <laughs> that Paul, I, thought, I hope not. Well, hopefully the hopefully at least you you managed to get in there with the uh, leading try scorer. I think that's Coombs Fabling, who's the the top try scorer in the Waikato team at the moment. Paul, if I stand corrected. I don't know. I spoke. I've been all, all time. Oh, Roger, oh, Roger oh, Randall's got oh, the most in the season. Oh, right, right, right. I was trying right, to think right, Roger Randall's right. name. <laughs> Roger. So, gentlemen, yep. this this whole, you know, disconnect, the reason is it's reflective of the be-all and end-all, which is high performance in professional rugby, because that's what all the last few years, particularly in ZR, it's been a strong criticism from the community and grassroots groups, where, you know, that the, the, the top... 1% of the pyramid is what the game is all about. And everything else, if we kind of give them a shout, it's all good, but, you know, we don't really sort of want to highlight and portray. What actually needs to happen is to have this sort of engagement. You, 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 you tear itself down and you go down into the pyramid right to the foundation. And that starts with the franchises, the provinces, the clubs, the schools, and the community level engagement. Now, imagine every time an All Black is named and each of these uh, segments in the pyramid gets a little, a little slice and a little representation and the social media saying, hey, you know, guess what? Patrick Tupoloto, remember his school days? He's a photo. He's running around in a park. And we do this often enough. We're going to see a, a, a very different face to the marketing side of it. And we're going to see a lot more community engagement. Now, this is what a lot of successful professional sports leagues around the world have done, particularly when you come to NFL. You know, they, they hunted right down to the neighborhood. Remember, remember the little kid who was throwing the ball around the block and he, you know, he nailed, uh, 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 what is it called, a, a touchdown across a block. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of examples out there, but for some strange reason, because rugby in this country is so super concentrated, literally on super rugby, and test level, everything else just gets kind of lost in uh, translation. And it's only when it suits the end result, people will kind of jump on the bandwagon. And that's where the issue is. That's that's yeah, only when it suits. That, I mean, yeah, uh, funny that LB mentions uh, NFL just like you in the live chat. This is you were doing it in uh, as well. Yes, uh, that, we can learn lessons from that. That's 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 a really good point, Boa makes, and I'll give you a, a case in point. Um, Northland's victory over Waikato. On the on the weekend, that's bottom team taking out the top team. You know, if if Waikato had rocked up, just won that game, there would there would have been no real big story within that. Admittedly, Rangers' one hundredth game, but to to win the game, all of a sudden, it's it's elevated. If you know what I mean, um, I, I know exactly where 
uh, Bora is coming from, but there's all the, also other examples of, of that. I mean, to say that game between Bay of Plenty and Hawks Bay the other week was just an, an amazing game. You know, it, it was amazing, you know, not just because it's a game of rugby, but it was an amazing theatre as well. And really the, the media just jumps on it so late it's not funny. Trains trains already pulled out of the station. Yeah. Um, so I was saying, I don't think NFL is a good example is they've got a college system where they, when, uh, they get players who are free. Yeah. No, look, um, we're not saying we want to copy the NFL system around player development or those sort of structures, but we can learn something from the NFL around marketing and the way they market the game and the sport. Um, and same with the NBA um, as well. The, the, those those two are doing it at a um, another, another level. Um, somebody who I've, I have to throw this one over to Stephen here, but apparently... And Nocturnal Rights likes it when we had play, people like um, Andy Hayden and Peter Thorburn um, having a go at each other in the on TV. Um, oh. I, I'd say people I'm not, uh, I'm, a, I'm not aware of. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're great, real, real sorts of, uh, of 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 the game during the sort of. Um, I think Peter Peter played for uh, for Auckland back in the back in the sixties, and of course Hayden in the seventies. So they it was slightly. Diff- different sort of eras, but rest and beef, rest and peace, both both of them. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was great. You know, they were challenge, they were challenging each other if they didn't agree with each other. Right now, you sort of watch a program, for example, like Breakdown, and they're all sitting around like a group of mates. Um, except Jake. I mean, Jake. To be fair, Jake, Jake, I don't agree with his opinions. Yeah. He's the exception. Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, but I mean, some people might say, Stephen, that you you that you. That, uh, you agree with me too much as well on these shows, and that perhaps you need to stand up for yourself a bit more. There you go. Um, True. <laughs> um, uh, Craig in the live chat's got a question saying, "Paul, have you uh, have you ever run into Wayne Smith in Waihee, Paul? It's not a large, huge town, is it? Uh, it's not a huge town. You're quite right. Um, he lives in Waihee Beach, and I live in Waihee. Waihee Beach, where also Gatlin lives, um, and a few other um, uh, rugby coaches um, as well. Uh, but uh, yes, I have run into Wayne Smith." And um, I do the video work for Waihe Rugby Club. Um, and Wayne Smith is going to be an assistant coach next year at Waihe Rugby Club. So uh, he did a bit of work with us towards the end of the, end of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, he's asked me to take the camera down for trainings. So uh, have I bumped into him? Yes, I have. Um, we're not uh, close mates by any stretch of imagination, but uh, yeah, on, on a kind of like, hello, hey, how you doing, mate, mate um, kind of level. Uh, and yeah, I'll be running, doing camera work for him um, next, uh, next season. Um, do they live on the same street as me? No, no, they live down at the beach, which is nice where, where all the expensive houses are. And I live up next to the gold mine where the uh, cheaper houses are, funnily enough, being a mining town. But there we go. Um, the uh, <laughs> Palisade? I, I'm not sure. I'm not, not, not sure where I'm going. My, 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 uh, I might be English, but my English, uh, I'm not good with, uh, with, with words. Um, Anyway, let's get into the meat and, meat and uh, two veg of the show. I mean, we're only 17 minutes in and we're still doing intro stuff. Um, the Looking at the rugby championship then, um, winners and um, losers from the uh, rugby championship. Um, uh, I guess from, from a team point of view, um, the All Blacks having won the championship have got to be considered winners. Um, I think um, from Australia with four wins back to back, they've got to be... Um, considered winners the there was an interesting piece in or, or, or john o'connor gave us a piece in um uh in our live chat about one of rugby pass where they were kind of suggesting that perhaps the springboks were seeing it as a victory because they beat the all blacks 
Um, and the All Blacks might be seeing it as a bit of a failure, this one, by not having a clean sweep. Um, uh, thoughts on that, boys? What do you think on, on those for, for those two teams? Listen, it's it, it's for, for the All Blacks it, it, and All Black supporters, oh, yeah, it will definitely hurt. No, no, no question, because I think they went into this series not only just to win it, but they really wanted to make a point to South Africa that yep, you're the world champions, but we can get the we can get the better of you. But I think the pride's been dented a wee bit because uh, I think in both both tests, especially up front, they were taken to task. And even though the history will say that they won the rugby championship convincingly enough, it'll 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 also say it could be a bit of a watershed moment for the All Blacks that yeah, you you got beaten in one of the tests, but in effect in both tests. The, the Springboks probably tore you a new one up front. So, you know, it's, it's just the way New Zealand rugby critiques, critiques itself um, with, you know, and it's, it's done through our journalists and it's done through our supporters. Sometimes it can be seen as disrespectful to the op- opposition. Not at all. Like I say, a lot of the, uh, I think I also said on our rugby chat, I've looked at a lot of the uh, social network sites and, Gee, most people are being very, very complimentary to the Springboks. That was a very impressive performance. Bill, your thoughts? Well, look, uh, I mean, you say we have to consider the All Blacks. Well, they are. They've won five out of six, and they won the championship with one game to go. The, the reality is, as far as All Black supporters and fans go, unless the All Blacks win every single game by 51-plus points, and attack every single opportunity, whether it's the most toughest test match, you know, there'll still be people who will criticize it. So I can completely understand why there is this sentiment. But the reality is, uh, had the All Blacks won half the games and actually won the championship, they would have achieved what they set out to go and achieve. Um, And, I mean, come on, let's, Let's not lose, you know, sight of the fact that that last test loss to South Africa, you know, that, was, that, that was an epic test. It was one of the greatest games played, you know, and, and you're not going to score uh, tries of every set play, every bit of broken play against the reigning world champions. And the reigning world champions had to huff and puff right till the last moment. And they had to draw on everything they have to beat an all-black side who had absolutely no right to, to uh, be in that game, let alone be in the lead. So, again, I think we just need to get some perspective on this. And, um, you know, congratulations to the world champions. That was, a, uh, you know, that was a, you know, amazing game. And, but I think you know, everyone just needs to kind of take a step back and be happy that they were part of such an epic contest. And that's what Test Rugby is about. You know, you, you bring the pressure and... People who make mistakes and then it's punch, counterpunch. It's it's like going 12 rounds in for the World Heavyweight Boxing title and then it goes down to a split decision uh, and, and one judge will see it slightly differently. So, you know, all in all, I'm, I'm just pleased that in these COVID times we got such a, a grandstand spectacle right at the end. But, uh, you know, I think everyone kind of needs to get some perspective on where things are at. And uh, look, the All Blacks beat well, they thumped the Wallabies three zip. Um, they beat the Springboks in the first game, so it's a one-all draw. Uh, and they beat uh, the Argentinians quite convincingly. Whereas, if you look at the other uh, opponents, i.e., the, the Wallabies and the Springboks, you know, they had 
uh, scratchy wins against uh, the other option, apart from that one win where the Wallabies just took the Springboks, uh, you know, they, they beat them quite convincingly. So all in all, I think the table is very reflective of where things are at. Uh, but I think everyone kind of needs to get a little bit of perspective on where things are at. And no, no one is going to remain unbeaten in a competitive professional environment like this. It's just simply not sustainable. Um, and it's it's frankly quite unrealistic. A couple of things from the live chat there. I, I, I mean, Aaron goes, um, uh, uh, Springbok, um, yeah, um, the, the, it's due respect to the Springboks, um, our most respected opponents, um, absolutely. Um, and uh, LB says, look, not really a victory, but under the circumstances, I think that's what we've got to do. What we've got to realize here, under the circumstances, um, this was actually this. It was um, it was a, a decent result for for South Africa. Remember, they've been under lockdown since June. Oh, sorry, not under lockdown. They've been in a bio bubble since June, um, or whatever we're calling it nowadays. Uh, they've had twenty one players, at uh, one point or another, who've had COVID um, out of this squad. Uh, it's been nuts for them. It's also been nuts for Argentina, um, who have had a had had a, had a, had a horrible. Um, year, both results-wise and also uh, um, bubbling, um, bubbling-wise or travel-wise, whatever you call it. Uh, so you've got to say that, um, yeah, I guess Argentina, unfortunately, are the losers out of this because of that. The, look, they beat the All Blacks last year, didn't come close this year. Um, whereas, so uh, clearly they've stepped backwards now, unfortunately. So I think they're the, they're the biggest losers out of this is, is, is their form. Um, but again, we do have to take circumstances into consideration to a, to, to a degree um, as well with them um, around that. So, yeah, um, the uh, and LB says, yeah, you need to remember that the rugby championship is a tournament of the best teams in the world. It's going to be close to the challenge. Absolutely. Uh, now, but funny enough, I think we were having chats before this that actually um, that well, remember John in, in the in, in our chats as well was, was from a South African point of view. Look. It, what the, the Derby Championship wasn't uh, really the matter. It was the two games against the All Blacks. I think also from from New Zealand's point of view, there was a certain degree of that as well. That look, the games against the against the Springboks were the important games. The actual title did anyone really care about that? Um, and I think yeah. So I think it's been more about those two games, um, particularly it being the hundredth and uh, the hundredth game as well in the, involved there. Paul, I was going to say when you when you actually talk about maybe a team that were, were sentimental winners. Boy, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Australia because um, I've just seen a, a tournament team that was named by uh, Planet Rugby. And in this team, there's six six Wallabies named in this. Now, this is a tournament team that's that's overall. Now, if somebody had told me that, yeah, they'd get six players in a tournament team at the end of this tournament, I would have gone, nah, yes, no, not really. But, you know, if, if anything, they had some, some guys that really, really stepped up at this level, we always knew that somebody like uh, Michael Hooper was an outstanding player, but boy, the surprises have been Andrew Calloway. I mean to say, Paul keeps reminding me that he was playing for Counties Monaco, <laughs> running around in front of nobody about a year year ago. Um, it's just crazy, and I didn't see that one coming. He's probably got to be one of the most improved players um, that I've actually seen in the rug- rugby championship. But just to give you an idea, the rest of the players that they've got, Quade Cooper's been named at. At number ten, let's run through that team. I've got it here now. Um, so, uh, and, and let me know if you think uh, anybody, if, if it, well, I think I got it wrong. So, Jordy Barrett at fifteen, uh, I think he's been already been, yeah, probably has been the form fullback um, across the tournament. There, I think there's, there's not much arguing um, with uh, with that one. Even if he did struggle a bit under the high ball against um, the Springboks, then yeah, I think most people will do. 
Um, Andrew Kellaway out on the right wing um, there. And he's, look, his try scoring has been great. Um, if you think uh, what Mapimpi's been out there, you're looking at, or, or yeah, Mapimpi's was on the right, wasn't he? Um, the All Blacks have had, what, Will Jordan, but uh, for a couple of games, they've also had um, Reese out there. They've had, yeah, they've really been mixing it up. So I don't, I don't think anyone, uh, I think he's been probably been the most consistent player. Um, uh, they've put Am in at 13. Um, again, boys, if, 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 you, if, if you disagree with any of these or think there's any other contenders, then do shout out. Special special mention for um, for Len Nikito. I thought Len Nikito, mm. in his, you know, pretty much in his debut season, was pretty outstanding. And, you know, uh, Lucanio Am, you know, are we basing this just on one game? Because that's what it comes down to. Um, I don't know if Boa would agree with me, but I would be tempted to go for, for Len Nikito for that position. Yeah, look, with the 13, I mean, if, if you look at outright stats for post-contact line breaks and meters made, it was Rico Ioani. So there's no question when it comes to statistics. Uh, but I understand where coming with Ikitao, I mean, he, he had some decent numbers. Uh, but again, you know, this is going to be a very subjective sort of thing. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer in numbers and stats. And at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. So based on that, I'll have to pick Rico Ioani. Uh, we've got to also remember that uh, I mean, uh, 13 is also about defence as well as attack. So um, on, on, on that side of things um, as well. So you can have all the line breaks. If you don't defend, then you, 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 yeah, you, got to, you, you have, do have two jobs to do. But even so, so yeah, yeah, but, so yeah, three good players in that 13 jersey. Um, Samuel Karevi, perhaps the uh, best 12 in the world at the moment. Um, uh, uh, for me, the player of the tournament, Samuel Karevi, coming from sevens, I have to say, you know... It, Hardly any player out there uh, who's come back from sevens, you know, it's it's very, very difficult to adapt into 15s, let alone coming into a, a championship. So, Samu Karevi, wow, that's outstanding. And I think for me, a clear top pick player of the tournament. Yep. Um, on to the left wing, they, they've, they've gone with Corabetti on the left wing. Yep. Um, you got no. Lots of. Lots of nods from Stephen from Stephen there. Yeah, and, uh, no argument, no argument there. Move on. Yeah, but again, the numbers. You know, he he did something like two hundred seventy-three uh, meters. So for a winger, absolutely, and of, of course he scored that uh, you know crunch try against uh, the Springboks, which really turned the tide. So yeah, clear yeah, topic there, no question. Okay then. So Stephen was going to say, yep, yeah, the, the the argument now, uh, number ten, Quade Cooper. Yeah, Quade Cooper gets the gets the pick, and, and he probably does deserves it. But you know, you've got to ask that question: Did he offer more than Baden Baden Barrett? I know Baden Barrett probably on on Saturday probably just felt the felt the, the heat a wee bit. But you know, we've we've got to remember, we've got to remember Quade only really came in, or oh, when was it? Was for that first game against the Springboks, you know, where I where I think um, I think. Um, Baden Barrett was pretty much there for the whole tournament. So listen, I'm not too fussed either way. I I think I'd almost be tempted to go with Barrett as opposed to Cooper. Oh, for me, it's a very easy pick, Baden Barrett, because if you looked at what he did against the Wallabies and the Argentinians, and also you know there were a couple of outstanding pieces of play against the Springboks. No question, I think Quade Cooper against the Springboks, particularly in the first game, he had nothing to do because half the time it was stoppage, water break. And, you know, he had a clean jersey, nothing to do. So, 
purely on work grade, line breaks, and you know some outstanding pieces of work. Again, clear topic. DB at number ten. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's um, look, Quade Cooper look, played well. Don't get me wrong; he's he's, he's uh, played a lot better than, than than most of us were expecting uh, in those four games. But still, um, they've gone for Nick White as the number nine, as the best nine in the tournament. Really? Yep, I'd, I, I, you know what? I think I'll go along with it. I'm not sure. He's, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure he's even the best best nine in Australia. I mean, I I I, 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 I prefer Tate McDermott personally. Um, but would you? <laughs> Problem is for for McDermott that we 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 know that he's got talent, but I just don't know if we we actually if we actually saw enough of them. I mean to say, if you look around at the the other halfbacks, I I don't think they they quite did enough. And you know what? In the games that that mattered, especially those two Springbok games for the Australians, um, he was he was really good. And based on that, I've, I've got to give it to Nick White, and he kept that consistency going through in the uh, last two last two games against the Pumas. Well, that was nodding there, so I'm guessing I'm outvoted. Uh, well, one. look, yeah, I understand what Stephen's saying, but again, I have to agree with him. There's just hardly any outstanding. Like no one really put their hand up. You know, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Herschel and just the, the halfback who came on for Fifth Clerk actually play a lot more game time because I I I think he's He's one of the uh, real stars of the future. Uh, so we didn't really see anyone really grab the bull by the horns. Yeah, we can go with Nick White. Tate McDermott had some patches of brilliance. But then again, you know, that obliteration against the All Blacks, you know, he really got hammered around. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a very lukewarm nod from me for Mr. Nick White. Uh, coming into the pack then, they've gone for Ardi Surveyor at eight. Uh, obviously, Valentini um, uh, also had had a, had a good game. Um, We've also had oh, on blank as the Springboks, um, Vermeulen, uh, Dwayne Vermeulen, Vermeulen, who uh, started off definitely um, with, uh, with with having, having had no game time and coming back from injury, but uh, I think finished finished off towards the end of the the, the, the second game or towards in the second game. It's all about playing um, some, uh, some 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 key some key pieces. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I probably didn't put it together over enough games. Um, but uh, happy with Ardi, or or or, or yeah. going to tell us the numbers that uh, push um, push push Rob Valentini there? Oh no, 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 no comparison, guys. I mean, Ardi nearly made two hundred meters uh, right across the championship. I mean, that's you know you expect that from your outside backs. So I think overall, looking at all the games, no question, Ardi Sevier. Uh, LBC has got to go. Um, I think um, for Mullen at eight. I, as I say, I. I think he only ended up playing two good games, which was the All Blacks games. So I think it's hard to give him the number eight jersey. Look, don't get me wrong. I think he was um, had very good games in those ones and was part of a dominant pack. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm not sure you can give it to him for, for that. Uh, having missed missed the first two games and not not uh, um, Michael Hooper then at seven. I think most people are going to be comfortable with that one. Um, and at six, now this is going to be a bit uh, I think a bit controversial. Uh, they've gone for a Kiriwani. Um, who had sort of four good games, and then a lot of people say went missing against uh, the Springboks. Um, so, uh, and if you think that Quagga Smith, okay, he was wearing seven, but that's the that's the equivalent of um, the uh, a, a, a Kiwi six. Um, I, I'd say that uh, I think Quagga Smith had a better had uh, perhaps a better tournament than um, than Kiriwani. I'd agree with it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would go Quagga Smith. Um, for me, Akira 
Um, l- listen, Australia was he was outstanding against Australia, but we we never really saw that form again um, against two teams that play quite a in your face <clears throat> and in and in in, in your face style um, in the Pumas and of course the Springboks. So for me, Quagga Smith just outstanding. Even even the fact that uh, what he came in for those last two last two games against the All Blacks. Um, Look, uh, no, no, numbers wise, there's no disputing. It's Akira. Akira again had something like 234 run meters. Uh, I think it was six try assists. So overall, numbers wise, Akira is a head head and shoulders above. Uh, but purely for those injecting himself into the key moments of the game. Absolutely, Quagga Smith. In fact, you know, a few weeks back, I made a very strong case saying that Quagga needs to be starting all the time for the box. And you can see clearly him with another few players who was Francois Stein, who I put a very strong case forth. And he was, you know, eventual match winner for the box. Uh, I would actually go Akira slash Quagga Smith. I'd start with um, Akira. If things don't work out, I'd get the fetcher Quagga Smith in there. Um, Dr. Rice, yeah, Kira um, was a candidate for the 13 jersey, not for the uh, not for the six jersey, um, <laughs> as he played so wide so much. And uh, yep, uh, I can see the argument there. Uh, into the engine room then, Lou Diego. Yep, um, uh, he's he really has been uh, out, uh, very good with his uh, uh, around the line out in particular. So I'm comfortable with him there. A bit surprised to see him go with Scott Barrett though at four, um, as I think he's been outplayed by Brody Italic. Never mind. Uh, any other any other players um, around the park? So, though, what what do your stats say on this one? Um, yeah, again, look overall tournament. It's actually quite hard to look past the all black locking pair of uh, Brody and Scott Pratt. Obviously, Scott took that nasty shot to his collarbone early up in that last game, and he was subbed early. Uh, but again, if you look at the, the whole tournament, and I mean, let's not lose fact of. We're looking at the, the team of the tournament, not team yep. of the last game. And I think this is where the whole uh, kerfuffle has happened and it, the, 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 the waters have been muddy. Uh, yeah, look, Lou Diaga had a great last game, but right until then, most of the time they were walking. So, again, the criticism has to be... Because, you know, we, we, we're, we're judging professional athletes on numbers and their involvement when they get injected into the game at crucial times. So, for me, it's, again, Brody and Scott Barrett overall tournament stats i think i go with ludiaga and um and brody because i think ludiaga's particularly at the line out time has and maybe i'm being also influenced by how he performed in the uh, british and irish lions um, tournament so perhaps i'm thinking more of the season rather than necessarily just these games i don't remember i didn't actually watch the uh the um springbok argentinian games to be honest or i can't remember them it's that, that 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 long ago um steven your engine room um, I, listen, I think I'll go. Listen, Scott Scott Barrett, I, I think has actually played really well, but I'll also go for Lou Delago. I think he's, I think he's a world class lock, and it's it's quite interesting looking at his body shape over the last few seasons. Completely changed. He used to be quite this big, um, sort of bulky bulky lock, but he's just really trimmed out nicely and looks like a a complete athlete. And uh, listen, I like the way he plays. Plays with a lot of physicality i can only really think of one mistake he made and that was a defensive hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass." 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's read against... Uh, um, Cody Taylor in in that uh, in the opening minutes of that uh, test against the, the Springboks, but in the main, I just think he's been solid. Uh, so two for Lude, two for Scott, and two for Brody um, in that one. So um, I think what this also shows us is that we are blessed with a lot of talented locks in world rugby at the moment. When you add in your players like um, uh, Itoji, obviously Etzebeth, um with um, uh, uh, there's there's a couple of good guys with the with Ireland. You've obviously got um, Alwyn Jones, etc. So I think there's lots of um, uh, lot lots of good locks at the moment, which is great to see. Into the front row, then um, they've gone Tanalea Tupo um, at um, at tight head, and I've got nods from Bower there. So I'm guessing he's got some good numbers. Yeah, almost 112. Uh, run meters. So for a front row, that's outstanding. I mean, there are some, um, uh, you know, backs, some good running backs won't even make into the high 70s. So Daniel has done well. You know, you have to give it a perspective as well. He he did uh, did really well, particularly against the uh, two Argentinian games. Uh, But in one of the All Blacks game, you know, he was pretty much non-existent. So overall, Again, looking at numbers uh, and also, you know, he put some telling uh, hits, even though there was a couple of hits which, you know, uh, he should have been sent to the naughty chair. Um, Yeah, so I think impact-wise, numbers-wise, Daniel Tupo, number three. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm quiet because I I agree with that. Cool. Uh, Into the hooker position, they've got me Cody Taylor. Um, Mark's also had some, some good games. Whether he put together six good games is a question mark, I guess, around that one. Um, but um, yeah, in, in two two good uh, two good players there. Um, remembering the Argentinian, sorry, remembering the um, uh, the Aussie guy doing far too many uh, grass cutter tackles that got him sent, got a yellow card, so I'm not going to go with him. So I do think it comes down to um, those ones. Um, Nocturnal right says Montoya um, for hooker, um, and uh, yeah, I'll get to... <laughs> Go on, Stephen. Yeah, I, I I was about to say he deserves a special mention because I don't think he I don't think he dropped his standards. I mean to say it's it's incredible we're watching an Argentinian team that hasn't got the likes of um of uh, uh Creevy still playing playing for them. But yeah, Montoya is a very, very good hooker. He's a classic. And um yeah, you know what? He, he goes pretty close, but I think you I think you gotta stay with Cody Taylor. Yeah, look, Montoya, for one telling stat uh, off the top of my head, I think you're 28 from 28 tackles. So that's, uh, you know, it's a pretty decent stat, uh, you know, in in a competition as intense as the championship. And against, you know, all these, uh, the top three sides of the world, um, from run meters, attack, and obviously someone who can be all over the show, there's no question, it's Cody Taylor. 
I would have loved to have seen a lot more of Tokeaho. Mm. Uh, I think he he was the one miss uh miss selection instead of uh Asafa Amoa. Uh and and look I, I from a coaching point of view I am very biased uh for players like Tokeaho. I love guys who can get nice and square, look opponent square in there and absolutely smash them. Uh so I I yeah I mean look uh definitely Montoya is in the picture but based on attacking stats try assists and the line bus i think uh Cody Taylor had four line bus so for that reason Cody just edges Montoya also 28 tackles over six games isn't that many for some of the for forward especially for Argentina who spent a lot of time defending as well um well, he, he had a 100% tackle he didn't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's for me that's the the key understood uh, finally, they've gone for um, uh, Kitsov at uh, the open side. Um, there uh, is the as uh, the final one. So again, not um, a Moody still the 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 number one here in uh, uh, in New Zealand. But um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm think I'm comfortable with Kitsov t- taking that jersey. Yeah, I've, I've I mean, got to go. I've got to go along with you, Paul. Um, I actually thought he was outstanding. Always. Brought an impact to the Springbok pack when he when he came on. In fact, both in both tests against the All Blacks, but I also thought he brought in a lot of impact against the Australians as as well. You know, not his fault that they uh, that they lost those those two games. But yeah, I just liked his, his impact off the bench. You know, you start after that, you you really start scratching a scratch, scratching around. Um, I'm just trying to think who the uh, Australian. Uh, listen, special mention for. Um, Special mention for for James Slipper as well because I you know I thought he did a really good job in that Australian scrum and as soon as their scrum coach Don McKellar, he's doing a very good job at that Australian side. But listen, in the main, um, yeah, kids off, I'd go for. Cool. Yeah, no question. Clear, clear topic because uh, particularly coming off the bench, I think he had a total of fifty-seven carries in the whole competition. So for a front row to do that. Right across, that's fantastic work. And I think he's the one guy consistently, no matter how good or bad the Springboks are playing, he just came and just gave it everything he had. And at this level, when you're a fully paid professional, you know, rain or sunshine, you just turn up and do your jam. So in that respect, <laughs> massive respect for Kitsov and clear topic for me. Now then, um, we have um, uh, taken longer over that than, than, than I was uh, expecting. I was going to talk about winners and losers within the actual All Black squad. Uh, we've, we've touched on some of them though, like Somerset Tokalaho, uh, definite winner um, there. Um, the Ethan, uh, Ethan Blackadder, I think you can throw into that group as, as well, Paul. I thought Ethan Blackadder, Blackadder looks like he's built for test. Uh, yes, yeah, probably where though. And of um, course, and... Jordi Barrett. I think Jordi, Ethan Blackadder, uh, Tokeho. Um, everyone else, you know, right right towards then, we just faded away. But that was largely because the All Blacks, for some reason, keep persisting with playing this pattern where they only commit one cleaner into the ruck. Now, it worked really well when we had guys like Aaron Smith because ball was lightning quick. But soon as we take Aaron Smith out of the equation. So I think this is a very clear tactic the All Black coaching group are doing. But, but I think we will pay the odd price from time to time, as we did last weekend where if you're only going to commit one cleaner to the ruck, you will get dominated. So it's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out. But uh, um, for me, those three players, clear winners. I think Quince Pyre has also done his um, 
hasn't done itself any harm at all, uh, heading in the sort of the right direction there um, with that one. Uh, David Havili, whereabouts do we um, are we at with him? Is he is he the answer at twelve, or uh, are, are there question marks? And are we still looking for for the twelfth All Blacks? So I'm not going to be too critical of him. He's been really good up. He's been really good up until probably this 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 last test. In in the main, I, listen, I don't know if there's a hick you can do on the back of your forwards, um, basically getting getting done over at the end of the day. Um, for me, you mentioned winners and losers before. I think the winners have actually been some of the new guys that have come in. Like you say, like Quintupai, Tupai, like Ethan Black, Black Adder, uh, like Tupuvai, I think they've actually been the been more the winners. And, and to me, some of the some of the disappointments has actually been the more more experienced guys or guys like you know Will Jordan. We kind of expected. I think on our own rugby chats, we expected big things from Will Jordan. But I got to say, at the at the at the end of the day, real real disappointing. Uh, Jordy Barrett for me. Yeah, you got a real winner there. Well, yeah. So I mean, Dave McKenzie therefore has to be a loser because that's he's losing that jersey to 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 Geordie, to a certain degree. Uh, I think we all had him down as being the um, the fifteen until Geordie came in and took it off him. Um, obviously, <coughs> George Bridge, one of the losers out of this one, had a shocking first test um, against uh, the Springboks. Um, uh, Stephen says, "Yeah, that um, I as a winner, I I think the fact that he didn't make." the 23 for either the Springboks test, I think makes him actually uh, a bit of a loser. Now, the opportunity he's got yeah, for the rest of the tour is fantastic because um, with Scott Barrett and Patrick Tupolotu both returning to uh, New Zealand and missing out on the USA and European tour and Josh Lord and Sam Whitelock coming out to join Brody um, and him uh, means that he's, he's, he, that he's got great opportunities coming up, but some, um, uh, I guess he he he, he did he wasn't able to cement that um, to get that bench spot off Patrick. Well, look, there were for me in that last test there were two critical selection errors. One was the non-selection of Tokeho and Wai. And the the, the issue is things, gentlemen, when you're playing a very trunk allocated, compact, uh, you know, high intensity uh, test competition, you need to manage your minutes and you need to manage the form lines of individual players a lot better. So the all-black high-performance unit would have learned a lot. And I think Patrick Turpolotto, for me, was the biggest casualty. He clearly wasn't ready for that level of intensity. And also bringing Asafa Moa uh, was, was was a mistake. I think having uh, um, Tokeaho, who, who had awesome form the, the week before, could have easily transitioned that. And that is the level of physicality we would have actually wanted. And same with why, because I think from an athletic point of view, he's one of the most athletic players in that squad. Whereas pursuing the experience or what you call the exposed form line of guys like Patrick Tupper, clearly not ready to play uh, yeah. this level of intense test rugby, was was a letdown. So, and again, coming back to, I, I have to make mention with guys like David Havili, I think they were overplayed a lot, mm. lot more minutes than they actually should. So there's going to be plenty of learnings, particularly in these COVID times when you're playing five tests back to back to back. You've got to learn to manage your minutes. So hopefully the brain's trust would have worked that out. I'll throw some stats next week, some very interesting stats around these players and where to from here. Hopefully someone will latch on to that and maybe utilize it going forward. 
Yep. Well, and Hoskins to Tutu again, another one that perhaps didn't get didn't take his opportunity. Uh, when you think that you're missing Sam Kane, they were missing Frizzell. Um, Papuli, he got injured as well. So uh, I think he's one that, that, that could see himself slip out of the, uh, uh, the the All Black squad when those players come back. I was going to say he was one that could have played in that set, in that test against Australia when they played in Perth. I think that he should have been given an opportunity. Maybe somebody like Akira should have been should have been rested. And and Boa makes a really good point about the minutes. Just on Patrick Tuipulotu, I was trying to think of a player who's of, of a similar ilk. And the player that I came up with is is Luke Romano. They're not really what what guys that you would call front of the front of the line out jumpers. So your next ex- expectation from those types of players. You want them to have a huge work rate around the field. If you think of somebody like Romano, yep, not a great jumper, but his work rate around the the field is just absolutely fantastic, whether he's carrying, whether he's hitting in the tackle, he hits hard. And that's what what you want from that sort of tight lock. I think for Patrick Tuipulotu, we just never saw it or enough of it. We never saw any big contacts. We only saw I only saw one turnover and one one decent carry, but unfortunately for Patrick, he's one of these players when a team hasn't got the ball, he's just not working hard enough off the ball. It's it's as it's as simple as that. Um, so that's looking backwards, looking forwards. I think I've already mentioned the I, but let's let's talk first off. Um, I've already mentioned that Samoa unfortunately won't be able to tour. Um, now there's also uh, the uh, South Africans have come out and said, look. Um, their tour goes to um, England, Wales, and Scotland. Uh, and uh, at the moment, South Africa is in the, I think it's called red list or something, uh, which basically means that uh, anyone coming from South Africa has to quarantine for 10 days. Now, the with South Africa, with the Springboks having been in a bubble since June, and we're, look, we're into October now, so that's a hell of a long time. Um, they were going back, they were going back to South Africa for a quick break, uh, and then... Uh, heading up to Europe. Now, if they have to do that 10-day quarantine, um, the uh, South African government or South African um, head of uh, the union have said that they'll actually scrap the squat, scrap the um, uh, the, the the tour and that uh, there'll be too much for the uh, Springboks. So um, let's hope that they uh, don't, that, that, they, that the tour does go ahead because there is some uh, cracking uh, lineups and games there uh, against, let's say, Three teams who made part of the British and Irish Lions. So, boy, oh, boy, there'll be a few players wanting to make some statements. Obviously, world champions up against those teams as well. Uh, some cracking games there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see if that tour um, will or won't go ahead. Um, I've heard other rumours um, around that uh, in the URC uh, that uh, the South African teams might have to play some of their home games in Italy. Um, which would be a massive loss um, for them, um, and would be a um, and would be a real uh, obviously make 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 their life even more difficult. Um, so, look, COVID is still um, having an impact on um, all of the, these things. Uh, some of you says maybe South Africa should use the European-based players for the end of year tour. Well, they're already using twenty of them, I think it is, <laughs> or eight or seventeen of them. So, um, the um, so yes. Um, the uh, LBC is weird because the URC players haven't um, had to be in a bubble. Um, okay, I, so I must, I've not been following that. I don't know when South Africa sort of went in or came out of the red zone or red red category, whatever it's called, and whether the URC players had to do a 10-day 
quarantine and then we're allowed out of a bubble. Um, so we'll uh, um, we'll have to uh, um, have to see um, about some uh, uh, this one. Um, so we'll see what, uh, what what goes on with those with those tours. Now, I don't think there's any unless you boys got anything else to say. I don't think there's much more apart from just saying what the facts are to say there, really. Paul, just one thing. I'd heard that the um, Samoan Barbarians game had sold 30,000 tickets. Now, oh, yeah. they, may, they may still go ahead and actually play that game, but they'll use uh, Europe-based Pacific Island players um, to make up that Samoan team. Boy, once again, going to be going to be a real real tough ask, but they are playing a Barbarians team. So, hey, let's hope uh, everybody's in a festive attitude and they just go out and throw the ball around and give those people who have paid uh, for a ticket uh, just a good game or a good spectacle. Yeah, the, yeah. So there's talk of that being a Samoan, um, yeah, sort of Samoan 15 rather than the official Samoan uh, international team. So yeah, we'll see um, what happens there. Uh, Simon makes a good point here actually that uh, the URC teams may have gone through Ireland and Italy, and therefore if you spend 10 days there, you don't have to quarantine. Uh, and if we think about it, the uh, uh, the first games were against Munster, Leinster, um, Treviso, and Zebra. So yes, the URC teams went went uh, entered via Ireland and Italy and therefore went round the uh, quarantine rather than trying to go through the quarantine um, there, which explains how they did the URC piece um, on that one. Um, yeah, could we see uh, Ireland and um, uh, Scotland sw- switching games or switching opponents to allow the Springboks to, <laughs> or something along those sort of lines? Um, I don't know. Yeah, look, uh, gentlemen, look with this whole bio bubble thing one thing i have to say is look there's no right or wrong answer it really depends on you know which which you know school of thought you subscribe to i mean part of my part of my uh time i volunteer to help uh seafarers uh seagoing mariners uh with some of their ongoing training issues uh and this whole quarantine thing is uh, uh is a huge issue i mean there are people who work on ships up to um, you know 10, 10 months in a in a row without seeing family. So there are people out there doing things a lot harder. I'm not saying that is right, nor am I saying it is wrong. Uh, it is entirely up to uh, the, u- the the individual union to decide what they want to do. But I feel that professional sports people, regardless of what type of court they're in, be it rugby, football, uh, do have certain privileges. Most other people don't so i think that does need to be taken into consideration and also when you're engaged in a profession where you have to play sport for a living um you know that's what you have to do that's what you have to do so i think the unions just need to be a little bit more creative and make sure that they manage workloads and come up with strategies i.e utilizing players who are overseas and that that applies for everybody that applies for everybody so uh yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I, I sincerely hope that the Springboks uh, play on because it'd be really, you know, it'll be a shame if they don't build on this form line, which they've uh, kind of created, particularly in that last game. Um, so I, I just I just hope for the best and, um, you know, come what come may, as I said, there is no right or wrong answer to this. It really depends on which school of thought you subscribe to. Uh, look, the, the players have told me that there's not, not an impact, but behind, off the record, um, they're saying different things. Look, yeah, I, I, I just want to, I'd expect the players to be, I'd expect, expect a, no, a no excuses attitude um, is, is kind of what coaches and players always take. Uh, but look, it, it's got to have been 
a struggle for them to have been away. They basically locked up with the same 40 people um, since June. Um, is uh, yeah, it's going to cause there's, 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 yeah, it's, it's just not it's not their normal way of living uh, for that one. And Nocturnal Rights has got an answer though. How about we uh, they get a cruise ship and take 10 days to get from South Africa to um, England, use that as their quarantine and take their families with them. Fantastic idea. There you go. That's that's what we call creative thinking bar. Um, on that one. Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, looking forward though for the All Blacks to their tour. Uh, look with the games against the USA, Italy, oh, I've gone blank, it's the other two, Wales and Ireland. Um, no, it's not Italy, is it? It's Wales, Ireland and France. Yep. And Italy, there are five games. Yeah, Italy's second up. So first That's up, right, USA. five games, Italy. there we go. Um, um, <laughs> isn't being locked up with someone called Mary. Yeah, well, hey, we're not, we're not going to go there, Aaron. Um, the... Um, <laughs> But um, <laughs> when we've got, uh, yeah, so actually, actually the, so the All Blacks, by the way, folks, are playing more games this year, more test matches, sorry, this year than they have ever played before, equaling the record set in 2008 with 15 test matches. Um, now, two reasons for this I'm expecting. One, money. <laughs> um, and two, we only had six test matches last year. So uh, the All Blacks um, head coaches um, are always, uh, are probably also wanting um, to um, uh, give more players playing time and experience uh, because they've lost um, eight test matches in this Rugby World Cup cycle um, towards the next Rugby World Cup. So um, that's why. So I think there's probably two reasons for those extra games um, that we've had this um, this year. So, yeah, so the first game is against the USA. Next, then it's Wales. Both of those two are outside of the international window. So it's going to be interesting to see what side Wales can pick, considering their first and second choice fly halves both play in the English Premiership and won't be released. Um, then, uh, yes, then it's uh, Italy, Ireland and France is the last game uh, there. So in, in that one. So, um, uh, look, I hope players like Topu Vai, Josh Lord, um, uh, Braden Enor, who's played next to no rugby. Uh, these guys get an these, these guys get an opportunity, particularly in that USA and the Italy game. But um, any other kind of things that you would like out of this end of your tour, guys? I was going to say, a, a great thing about Lord and Tupuvai, they both play for Taranaki, so in, 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 in effect, they're, they're already a combination, so... Um, and they also yeah, play for the Chiefs together as well. Yeah, exa exactly, and, 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 and the Chiefs, and they'll definitely have that combination, so yeah, I'd, you know, I'd love to see them start as a combination against, against the USA, and maybe the same against Italy. Yeah, what no are you question, looking for I think, out of this, uh, uh, this uh, end of your tour from the All Blacks? Uh, yeah, look, a couple of things. Number one is obviously combinations, getting players, creating depth, you know, giving them run-on form so that all adds up to what we call exposed form, i.e. Uh, match or game day experience. And number two, I think consistent, consistency in tactics. One positive which has come out from the championship is the All Blacks are now willing to take the three points. I wish they took more three points more often because you recall in the last game, there were a couple of times we, uh, you know, declined the three, we went for the lineout. And in fact, those are the two lineouts the All Blacks lost. 
So consistency of tactics. And I'd like to see, you know, uh, the forwards really stand up and move away from this one-man cleaning out ruck system and actually put numbers to the ruck. And ironically, I have to again say, the only time we put numbers into the ruck was that last play and was a turnover where Vermeulen got his hands on the ball. So for me, those are the two key things. Let's blood some young players. And number two, let's look at getting some consistent street smart tactics. LB says the ABs need to find their centre pairing, uh, and I think that's something that's going to be a uh, yeah an ongoing question um, because obviously with uh, Jack Good with um, Goodhue not available um, for this one um, for this tour, uh, he has got to be in with a shout of, of one of those jerseys. So um, I think we're going to be into next year before we understand, before we know who the All Black centre pairing really is. Um, with that one, uh, obviously a lot of people think it's Havili and ALB at the moment, um, but we'll see. Uh, going forward, as to as to, as to what um, as to what that's going to be, um, the uh, yeah, I'm just uh, excited to have more rugby. To be honest, let's be honest, and that's uh, they're actually going to see the All Blacks play somebody else other than uh, and actually play some of the Six Nations teams, uh, and also uh, which we've just not seen for so long now um, since the uh, actually did they play any? Yeah, obviously they're obviously they're being, yeah. The Rugby World Cup, they played England. So, yes, um, so clearly, look, an island. So, look, yeah, it's been so long since they've played uh, these times. I'm just looking forward to that, actually. Uh, it will be fun. Um, clearly, I'm not expecting much from the USA game. Um, I have already lined up uh, chats with the Attacking Scrum, who are a Welsh podcast, and um, Harping on Rugby, who are an Irish podcast. So, look out for those shows, folks. Um, I'll be on their shows and they'll be on mine. Uh, so, look out for those as, um, as well. Um, this weekend, though, the biggest game of the weekend, well, we've got two big games. We've obviously got the Premiership final. We've got the rematch between uh, Canterbury versus Waikato. Unfortunately, that will be missing a whole bunch of Black Ferns. Um, nine players missing for Waikato. I don't know how many for uh, Canterbury. Um, but uh, that game. But then again, we. Th but then after that, we have um, uh, the uh, Ranfurly Shield um, game between Hawks Bay and Tasman. Tasman trying to gain the shield for the first time ever um, this weekend. Um, Boa, you're our predictions man on the old stats. Um, will uh, Will Tasman get the shield, um, and will they take? Will they be flying back down to uh, Nelson with it? Yes, they will. I've been uh, since. Well, I did. I did uh, tip. So I have to eat a bit of humble pie. I did. Tip Southland to cause an upset. That never happened, unfortunately. Southland <laughs> were way off the script. So, unfortunately, hey, you get some, right? Just get some completely wrong. There was one. Uh, so, I'm going for a special this week and a double. Canterbury and Tasman. Double. I think Canterbury will go to the world. They're not going to make the same mistake they did. They're not going to fall in the same pit they did at night during which they did daytime last time. Again, now, hang on, let's country, be clear. So, you're talking NPC here. You're talking, you're talking Wellington, Canterbury. Uh, right. Beg your pardon. Yeah. Beg your pardon. Canterbury and Tasman to be comfortable winners. That's what I'm picking. And Tasman yep. will be carrying the log of wood. No question. But, but not, not, uh, you're not making a Farrah Palmer Cup um, prediction. You're making a, an NPC prediction there for Canterbury. Yes, I am. Just want to be clear. Yep. Um, and folks, look, Canterbury, uh, I mean, backed um, Wellington against um, Bay of Plenty. Um, last weekend as well, and they had plenty won that by one point. 
Um, so he, he was just out there. For some reason, Wellington, who have only beaten Northland this season, are favourites against Canterbury at $1.62. <laughs> I really have no idea where they're coming from with, with those with those stats, to be honest with you. Um, Stephen? I'm, I'm with you on that, Paul. I, I saw those odds and I think I might have posted it on our, our rugby chat. Absolutely staggered. Um, I think Canterbury were playing uh, $2.60 compared to Wellington, who were about $1.60. Uh, you know, for me, that, that's... Uh, two eighteen. Two eight to two eighteen, well, that's that's double your money stuff, you know. Even if you stick a, a couple of bob on uh, Canterbury, so um, I think Canterbury will just be too smart for Wellington. Wellington, unfortunately, look a little. They look like one of these teams that are just are not too sure of the style of game that they want to play. They're a very talented team and they can score tries from anywhere, but boy, there are times they make some horrendous mistakes, and um, unfortunately, they're littered with ill discipline. As, as well, especially at, at, at breakdown. And there's real question marks over their scrum as well. Their scrum, unfortunately, in the last two games against Hawke's Bay and, of course, Bay of Plenty has, has been owned, and that's where the game starts up front. And we saw with Canterbury the week before against Southland, they do pack a very, very good scrum, and that was probably the winning and losing of that game. Um, I'm going to go to the last game first, Otago-Taranaki. It's going to be interesting, Um this particular game, but I still think the way Taranaki are travelling, even with Otago at home, I think Taranaki will be too strong, even though they won't have Josh Lord. And, um, of course, that uh, third game, Hawks Bay-Tasman. You know what? I'm actually going to go with the holders, as crazy as this sounds, because I do believe up front they can match Tasman. And I don't know, they just... I just think I have a funny feeling they're going to... They, the Hawks Bay are going to be up for it. If the Tasman are to lift the shield, I don't think there's going to be anything in it. No, they'll probably, if you think about Hawks Bay, they've been probably, they've known this is going to be the big game of the season if they got past Bay of Plenty. And I think they will be up for it. They'll want to make a, want to make a statement. And, uh, you know, any team that's got Ash Dixon as your, your, your skipper and leader has got to be respected. And also they're showing they've got strength off the bench as well, so they've been finishing well, and uh, hopefully uh, Mickey Ellie too makes a, an appearance because he's big for them. Very good loose forward trio this uh, Hawks Bay team. So uh, yeah, that's how I see that one. Yeah, well, um, Stephen has to back Hawks Bay because he's got family connections. Um, <laughs> the um, um, uh, Nocturne writes as a tiger will do it. Taranaki due to, due to fail, <laughs> having seen Taranaki get spared plenty the other week. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, no, Taranaki have got that one. Uh, well and truly tied up. They are a very impressive outfit for the uh, championship. Look, some rumours going round. Um, so uh, you might have heard staff on uh, SENZ uh, at lunchtime today talk a lot about um, the MPC. Um, but some rumours are, are going round that we might uh, there might be no finals, um, and it will just be who finishes top of um, each table is the champion. Um, obviously, it all hinges on the application to uh, get the three teams out of the Auckland zone that went in today. Uh, look, if uh, that application fails, then goodbye to uh, basically those three teams, um, which being North Harbour, Auckland and uh, Candice Manukau, taking part of the MPC. We'll just run out of time, um, unfortunately, uh, as everything has to be wrapped up by, I think it was the 27th of November. Does that make sense? Yes, because that's a Saturday. Um, so it's so, all the 22nd, which is the Monday. Anyway, it's got to be all wrapped up by uh, by before the end of November. Um, and so if these teams don't get that exemption, 
Um, now, whether they should or shouldn't, whatever is uh, uh, that's uh, not not for me to decide. But um, we'll see uh, what happens with those three. Um, the um, and uh, Aaron uh, is uh, wearing his um, blue and uh, white jersey when he says it won't be a real NPC if Auckland is missing. Um, so uh, uh, the uh, with, with with that one, uh, look, uh, it's interesting times, right? Um, we've got to uh, we, we've got to uh, do what we can do. There's a whole bunch of uh, questions that um, to talk about um, around the TV contract. As Oxana Wright says, does Sky not need the content? They do, but Sky doesn't decide how the Ministry of Health decides on whether teams are allowed to move or not move around the country. Um, one of the things you may or may not have noticed when watching the Waikato game, for example, is that the electronic advertising hoardings were up but turned off because they'd been left up. And the company that runs them is based out of Auckland. It hasn't able to come down and turn them on. Um, and so hence, the, uh, there's been a whole lot of advertising revenue, um, uh, for example, from um, those games. Uh, also, Sky normally puts on um, virtual advertising overlays. Again, those teams, those people were stuck in Auckland and haven't been able to do that for, for games. So, uh, yeah, the coverage, um, you may have noticed, has been slightly uh, diminished because of a few things that Sky can't do. Um, the uh, look, all these all these players and all these contracts and all these coaches' contracts all run out at the end of October. So where's the extra money coming from to pay for those all those players and stuff through the end of November? Look, there's a whole host of questions. I think we listed a bunch of them, Stephen, during our mm. lockdown beers and hash rugby chat. Um, and I, I don't think we have the answers. We can just point out what some of those issues are. I think it's, it's probably the situation it is in. Mm. Look, I'm not blaming anybody. It's not the New Zealand rugby's fault. The prim, it's not the uh, it's not the province's fault, it's not the player's fault, it's not the government's fault, it's just, it is what it is. And we just have to live with it and just hope we can get as much rugby as possible, uh, basically. Um, not the happiest note to finish on, boys. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I, I, actually, I actually have got a happy note to finish oh, sure. on. Paul, Paul, I just want to say uh, a massive congratulations to Rennie Ranger on his uh, 100th game for the... Uh, the Tanifa, and what made that even more amazing was to to rock up after being out for seven weeks with a broken arm and play a pretty faultless game on the night and full credit to the rest of the lads for actually lifting for him on the night and they rounded that off with a fantastic hucker as well. As I, I flicked a text off to the Northern manager and said, you guys should celebrate every game that Rennie Ranger plays <laughs> um, <laughs> over over 100. And if you can come up with a performance like that, it'd be absolutely fantastic. So congratu congratulations to the Tanifa boys for getting off the uh, off the donut. And that was one heck of a victory over over one of the top sides in the country at the moment. And listen, remiss of me not to actually congratulate the All Blacks. They did they did win the rugby rugby championship. And um, I think sometimes we get a little bit hung up on on a loss, they did go forward and, and win that and all the best for their their tour. But yeah, definitely some lessons to take on board after last weekend. Yeah, Range of Danger was man of the match. Uh, the question is, um, will he be able to, at, what is he, 35 now I think he is, will he be able to do that again next week? Or is, or is that him done now? Um, it's, uh, I think doing it, uh, yeah, getting the adrenaline, doing it for your 100th game is one thing. Doing it week in, week out is another as long as he has a cigarette and a beer after the game, he'll be fine. <laughs> also, um, another another person that we should probably um, uh, to, to congratulations to is Marty Banks. He passed one thousand points in the MPC um, wow. this uh, weekend, playing for Southland against his old team Tasman. Um, 
he and that he did that with a uh, an intercept try from uh, from halfway. <laughs> I mean, boy, oh boy, uh, Molly Banks not known as being Mr. Speedster. It was more of a fast jog than a sprint, um, to be fair. But um, hey, he made it and uh, got over the line uh, there with that one. So yeah, hat tip to Molly Banks and, and Molly's mum turned up to the game uh, in a Southland jersey, but she had a um, she had a, uh, uh, a Tasman jersey that she put in the, on, on the chair next to her. So uh, well done to her as well. So fantastic to see her there supporting her son. And what it um, says is, you know, nothing like NPC, provincial rugby, which brings out all these beautiful uh, characters and all these beautiful statistics and all these events which have real connection to the community, you know. And I'm sure the ACC uh, headquarters down in Wellington would have been very happy to see uh, um when he Ranger come back because they would have spent a, a, a little fortune on his recuperation <laughs> of his broken arm. And you're right, Paul. I think uh, playing on adrenaline is one thing, and the ACC won't be too happy to see him back <laughs> again for a, for a, for another crack. Uh, and I agree with uh, Steve there, Mr. Harris. Uh, look, congrats to the All Blacks. You know, uh, 90% win ratio so far in the season. Um, Five out of six wins. Um, and as I said, you know, All Blacks fans are very, very difficult to please. You know, uh, they seem to judge everything on the last game. And uh, keep in mind, uh, you know, the world champs had to go to the world to uh, get a last moment penalty to beat them. So congratulations to both teams. After a long time, we actually saw a genuine test match, punch, counter punch. And, you know, it was fantastic. And as All, as, as, as all Black fans as well, I don't think we can be too unhappy with that result because we witnessed a, you know absolute epic encounter and sometimes if you're going to lose you might as well lose like that so it is what it is lessons learned let's move forward um and looking forward to this northern tour yep we've got a couple of weeks folks where we can concentrate on the uh, the mpc because obviously we won't have any international rugby which is good so uh, yes that will be obviously our focus next week unless some um, amazing news um, pops up like uh, Silver Lake um, suddenly signs a deal or something, uh, which case obviously we'll talk about that, but who knows what will happen. One thing I have learned um, during this uh, last uh, 30, 40 odd days, or whatever it is we've been doing, we've been in lockdown, where I've been doing the uh, 5 p.m. lockdown beers and, ha and uh, rugby chat, is that there's enough, there's enough news about, around rugby news every single day to talk for half an hour. So um, there's the, 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 there'll be something happening between now and next week that we'll talk about. Don't worry, folks. Uh, and don't forget to do join me at 5 p.m. every day um, where we'll be uh, going through those things. So today we obviously talked about uh, a bunch of stuff, including the Drua announcing six new players. So if you want to listen to that and learn about that, um, that's coming out at 5 p.m. every day, folks. Uh, also out as a podcast as well. Thank you, Boa. Thank you, Stephen. Um, that's another one in the can. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.